Well, good morning again, and welcome to our third week of the Case for Christ this week, embracing the truth of Christ. If you have read the book, gone to the movie, or even if you've been here the last several weeks, you've kind of got a sense of the Case for Christ. It's a story of a young atheist, uh, investigative reporter, Lee Strobel, who set out to prove Christianity was false, um, presumably to save his wife from this newfound faith that she had discovered. But if you know the end of the story with Lee Strobel, uh, is what he found out, the end results was nothing like he had anticipated. In fact, his um, attempts to prove Christianity wrong ended up in him having an incredible personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He was saved, he became a pastor, he became an author, and he has had an opportunity in his life to do things that, that we would kind of dream of, to have conversations, doors that have been opened to him, to talk with, with authors and scholars, politicians, celebrities, President of the United States, first man to walk on the moon, all these folks that he's had a chance to sit down and discuss things of God and Christ with. But of all the interviews he's ever done, he says without question the most fascinating interview that he's ever done is with a man called Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton is the most famous spiritual skeptic in Canada. And you say, okay, well, what's so big about that? Well, he actually wrote a book, and the book is called this, Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. And what makes this even more interesting is who Charles Templeton is. Charles Templeton in the 1940s, late 40s and 1950s was the best friend and pulpit partner of Reverend Billy Graham. In fact, most people who knew Reverend Graham and knew uh, Charles Templeton thought that it was going to be Charles Templeton who became the more famous, popular evangelist because he was more eloquent than Billy. As things happened, though, uh, Templeton went to seminary, and it was a liberal seminary, and at that point, he began to question the Bible. And he began to question the Bible and he began then to question his faith in God to the extent that he was, he was challenging Billy Graham to question his faith. And it was at a point where they separated and Billy Graham says, no, I believe the Bible and what it says. And Templeton and his questions packed up and left the ministry and moved back to Canada where he became this author and became known as the most notorious critic of Christianity in Canada. So when Strobel found out about Templeton and this book, he said, I have to interview this guy. He went up and made an appointment and went up to Toronto, Canada and started to interview Charles Templeton. At this point, Templeton was 83 years old. He was um, in the early stages of Alzheimer's, but yet still very sharp. And in fact, sharp enough that when um, 
Strobel would interview him. He had all the answers and could make his arguments why he believed or did not believe very well. But Strobel found it so interesting because here were two men who were so much alike. They were journalists. They were men of study. And one came to one conclusion, and the other came to a completely different conclusion. And so he said, finally, in this hour, several-hour conversation, he finally said, got a question, and he of course, Templeton knew what he was going to ask. And he goes, why? Why do I reject my faith? And he said, yes. And he started naming some of the objections that probably you've had at times, maybe I've had at times, things that have bothered us. And he started naming things like this. How could a loving God allow pain and suffering? Or how could God send people to hell? How can Jesus be the only way. And so this, this interview was going on and he was being very critical of the Christian faith and, and he had this critical spirit until somewhere near the end of the interview when Strobel asked him about Jesus. And in this, in Strobel's words, he said, it was a remarkable change from critical and biting to thoughtful and reflective. And here's what Templeton had to say. He said, well, yes, he was the most important thing in my life. I know it may sound strange, but I have to say, I adore him. Everything I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. In my view, he is the most important human being who has ever existed. And if that wasn't enough, as Strobel was there, kind of stunned at the words that he just said, he looked, his tears were starting to come down Templeton's face, and he said this, and I miss him. I miss him. And at that point, he started bawling, tears just streaming down and Strobel looking and saying, what is going on here? What's going on at this man who would write farewell to God, Canada's most notorious agnostic, would be crying because he misses Jesus. And he called it the most haunting moment of any interview that he's ever done. Yeah. I think it's a little bit like you might imagine the prodigal son. Someone who has walked away from home, as far away from home as they could get. He was wallowing in the, 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 the midst of his sin. But he couldn't shake the father. He couldn't shake the father. He couldn't shake home. kind of like us. Sometimes we get as far from God and run, but there's something that calls us back. It's, it's, it's God shaking us. It's Christ shaking us and saying, come back. And Templeton was obviously having that kind of experience. How about you this morning? Have you walked away from God? I imagine there could be some people in here far away from God, and you're here for some unknown reason. We're glad you're here. Maybe you're here because a friend brought you or, or you just want to be with somebody, but you're far away from God. 
and you've wandered. Maybe there's others that are far away emotionally. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're close to God. You come to church. You're around Christian people, but, but emotionally, you don't, you don't connect. You don't spend time in prayer. You seldom read your Bible. Far away from God, but there's something longing in your heart that wants to come back, come back home. Jesus was talking about his home. It was in John chapter 14. We were there a couple weeks ago. But we're going to go back for just a few minutes to John chapter 14. Jesus talking about his true home. And he says this in verse 1, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas immediately said this, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? You know, there's some people that want to return to God. They want to come back to Christ, but like Thomas, they just don't know the way. I don't know. How can I get from here to there? How do, I, how do I get back to Christ? And it's like Thomas, Lord, show us the way. But for others, and maybe it's some of you who are emotionally separate from Christ, it's, it's a lot harder to put into words. Your spiritual condition, I, you know, I've been there. I just, I can't put my finger on it. It's a dryness. It's a spiritual emptiness. I'm confused. I'm unsettled. I'm drifting. Oh, man, I could really use an anchor, something to hook on to. I just, I just, I, 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 I have a hard time expressing. When I think of that, I remember a story. I don't know if anybody here, probably a few of you basketball fans, remember an NBA star. His name was Lamar Odom. Lamar is six foot 10, 230 pounds, or was when he played anyhow. Big guy. Won two championships with the Los Angeles Lakers, 2009 and 2010, NBA champion. And he was a star, no question about it. But even during his career, he had personal problems. Drugs and other things got him suspended a couple times, and, and he had to f- fulfill some uh, suspensions and not play. And, and then eventually, like happens to all the stars, Father Time comes along, and he has to retire. You may remember Lamar Odom better, hopefully not, but maybe as the husband of Khloe Kardashian <laughs> and being on the show, uh, whatever, the Kardashians, and, and then there was going to show Khloe and Lamar for a while. But then he, again, hit bottom. Difficulties in his life, drug-related, to the point where he had a very embarrassing national incident where he pretty close came to death during his time he was going through his divorce. In late 2015, a sports writer named Chris Palmer interviewed him for the Bleacher Report. This was after his near death and after his struggles, after his retirement. And he started the whole interview with this one simple question. He says, Lamar, where do you call home now? Seems like a pretty simple question, right? Where do you call home now? Here was Lamar's answer. My heart 
Wherever my heart is, and I can have peace of mind. Life can seem nomadic because I don't know if I'm embracing it or running from it. I can go anywhere, but I don't know where I want to be. I'm searching. I'm searching, but I don't know for what. I can't see what I'm looking for. I just, like, reach out and hope I grab something. But I don't know what it will be because I don't know what I'm searching for. Very honest, but maybe like a lot of folks that we know, searching for something, but not exactly sure what I'm searching for. Maybe this morning you're like that. I'm searching for something. Something's missing, ah, but I can't put my finger right on it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm searching for satisfaction, peace of mind, security, meaning, hope. Like Thomas, though, Lord, I don't know the way. Like Lamar, I'm searching, and I don't know the way. It was then that Jesus answered the question with John 14, 6, and it's this. I am the way, the truth, and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus tells those who want to come to him or to God, I am the way. Whatever you're searching for, whether you're searching for hope or peace or peace of mind or whatever it might be, I'm the way. I'm the way. And you know what? I would love to tell you this morning that that Jesus way is a free way. <laughs> it's just, I'd like to tell you this morning that Jesus way is just a, a nice, clear path, free way with no toll booths. Don't you hate toll booths? I do. I like to drive and not be stopped. But the Jesus way is not a free way. It's a toll way. A toll has to be paid. It comes at a cost. That's the bad news. The good news is the cost, the toll has been paid. Amen? The toll has been paid. Jesus Christ paid your way and paid my way. There's a 50 cent uh, uh, theological phrase we use for that. It's called substitutionary atonement. Is that a big phrase or what? Substitutionary atonement. What does substitutionary atonement mean? What means this? The perfect son of God paid the penalty we deserved for our wrongdoing so that we can go free. He was the substitute. The perfect, perfect son of God paid the penalty we deserved for our wrongdoing so that we can go free. He paid the toll so that we could travel the road, so that we could go on the way with him. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is what the case for Christ is all about. This is what the 
crucifixion is all about. This is what the resurrection is all about. It's Jesus Christ dying for us, substituting himself for me, for you, to bring us to God. That's what it's all about. I don't know if you remember, if you were here more than a few weeks ago, probably six, seven, eight weeks ago, we were going through the the book of Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 2, we talked about this. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2, 13, it says that we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins. And verse 14 says, having canceled the charge of indebtedness. Having wiped out the charge of indebtedness. I don't know if you remember, we talked about God taking out his big eraser. Some of the versions of the Bible says he took the eraser and erased our sins when he died on the cross. He took the penalty. He paid the toll for us. The toll has been paid. The penalty has been paid. But the problem with so many of our spiritual journeys is we have a difficulty accepting it. You mean that's it? (laughs) How many people, when you go out to eat or you go out somebody and somebody says, hey, I'll pick up your tab, your first reaction is, no, no, I don't need your charity, right? I can take care of myself. I can pay my own way. Now, most of you do that. I say, sure, go pay. (laughs) But, (laughs) but... But uh, but our first reaction is, is no, we've got to do it ourselves. I want to pay for it myself. That's the way it goes. And we find that same way with God. God, I I understand what you did. But certainly, if I'm going to grab on, go jump on your way, the Jesus way, I got to pay the toll. I got to pay my toll and get on. And this verses have been saying, no, 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 the toll was paid. The toll was paid. Hop on. Hop on the Jesus tollway, but your toll's been paid. And that's exciting news. The truth is, you can't pay for something that's already been paid for. It's already been paid. You can't pay for it. The other truth is, even if you tried, even if I tried, we don't have nothing worth to pay for it. It's like having an outstanding loan of a million dollars and saying, uh, here, I got two pennies. <laughs> let me chip in. <laughs> let me, let God, let me chip in. And that's so many times what we do. We say, okay, God, I, I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll admit that you paid for it. That's great. So on the front end, I can get in. But let me pick it up on the back end. Let me pay you back as we go here. Let me do enough good deeds. Can you imagine how God must feel when we do that? How he is up there and he knows the penalty that's been, that was costly. He knows the price that was paid. He knows what was required. And we say, Lord, thank you, but let me pay you back. Here, I've got these handful of good deeds. <laughs> I'm worthy now. <laughs> it's, no, 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 it's not what it's all about. We do this, go back to the toll road. Think about it. Okay, you paid my toll. Thank you. I appreciate that. But now you're going to see how good a driver I can be. I'm going to show you, God, I'm worth it. I'm going to earn that toll. And so we start off when we, I'm, I'm going to drive straight and not waver a bit. I'm going to stay in my lanes. I'm going to go exactly the speed limit, not a mile per hour over. I will report anybody that passes me. 
I will buckle my seatbelt all the time. I will not be distracted. In fact, instead of setting my phone right here where I can see it, I will put it where I can't see it. And if I got to make a phone call, I will pull off the road at a safe place and I will make the phone call and then I'll get back on the road. And in fact, when I change lanes, I'll even use my blinker. Because God, I'm going to be the perfect driver. And that's the way we kind of try to justify, God, I am making myself good for you. We, if we can't pay it on the front end, we want to pay it on the back end. It's like we become obliged. It's an obligation to do good things because we want to earn what has been given to us. A number of months ago, I don't remember how long. It's, 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 I think the months are in the double digits, so probably more than 10 I am uh, coming to work in the morning, but I do what I do sometimes, and I swung by Dunkin' Donuts up here on Euclid Avenue. And even in early in the morning, there's, it's, I mean, that's a line of people. Just, it, it, I, you know, it's, it's so frustrating. I'm driving down, and I see nobody in line, and there's like eight cars in front of me, and they all pull into Dunkin' Donuts, you know, and <laughs> it, it happens every time, every time. And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm in the line, and there's cars there, and, and I get up, and I, I ordered my muffin or whatever it was, or, or bagel, and, and, and my coffee. And I got to the front, to the, to the drive through window, and you know what the lady told me? She goes, the person in the car in front of you paid for it. I said, wow, thank you. Although she didn't pay for it, but thanked her. I said, then I said something like, well, thanks to the car in front of me, you know, I appreciate that. So I drove off and came to the office here, which meant, ah, uh, yeah. Got to the office, walked in somebody's office later in the morning, and uh, one of our staff members, who will rename Nameless, and I walked in there. I was telling this cool story, how my coffee and my, my, my bagel or whatever it was was paid for. You know what he asked me? So did you pay for the guy behind you? <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, what? We, I, I, do I have a duty? Am I obligation? And he said, well, yeah, you're supposed to keep it going. I go, who wrote those rules? <laughs> How come I don't know about them? I didn't read that anywhere. <laughs> I, I, can't I enjoy, enjoy the free gift that somebody gave me? Were they really expecting me to keep it going? And is this a game to say who sees who stops it? Well, if it is. <laughs> but so many times, on the flip side, okay, it was done for you. Now, out of duty, out of obligation. Do it. Now, certainly there's a time for me to do that for somebody else, but it, at that moment it was just good to receive and enjoy and appreciate the good gift that was given. So many times we want to earn it up front or earn it on the back end, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be received freely, joyfully, appreciated, the sacrifice that he gave us. Not out of duty, 
not out of obligation, but out of love. In fact, 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us, and in return, we love him. So yes, I do a lot of good things, and you do a lot of good things, but when we give, we don't give out of duty. We give out of a heart of gratitude for what we've been given. When we read our Bible and pray, it's not because we've been told you got to do that. It's because we want to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we go to church, it's not because it's a duty and we got to show our face. It's because we want to be with the Lord and serve and love and praise the God of grace. And we obey, not because we're looking for a bunch of rules to make ourselves good. We obey because we love him. We love him. We recognize the extent, the the magnificent sacrifice that was made. And we love him. And in response, we serve him. Matthew 11, 28 says this. I love it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. That word rest in the Greek means to revive or to restore. But so many of us are so busy trying to prove ourselves in our Christian faith that instead of being revived and restored, instead of resting and relaxing in what God has done for us, we get depleted and expensed because it's a serve, serve, serve. I I gotta prove myself to God. No, you don't. You need to respond to him in love in the same way he extended his hand to you in love. Respond in that way. So be honest with ourselves this morning. Where are you? Are you someone who's saying, Lord, I, I got to pay my own way? Or thanks for paying my way, but I'm going to keep doing it. Or, oh, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your good, goodness to me. Thank you for your mercy. Maybe you're the one that says, I don't know the way. You know, the Bible, besides all that Jesus has done for you, the Bible has laid out the way very clearly. In fact, there's a, there's a way we call a little, another road. It's called the Roman road. Because in Romans, there's just verse after verse. You just go to each verse, and it just tells you more and more and unveils our problem. And the, the answer starts off in Romans 3.23. It says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everybody. That's you. That's me. God has set a standard that is so infinitely high, none of us can meet it. We're all sinners. Romans 6.23 follows that with this. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news, but the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the Romans road, the toll has been paid through the gift of Jesus Christ. His way, the Jesus way. Finally, Romans 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on him this morning? You say, I don't know how. Well, we know Jesus is the way. Well, I don't know. Do you do this? Do you do that? I, well, tell you what. Let me show you how Lee Strobel did it as we watch this clip. When you became a Christian, I freaked out. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I was scared. Um, and I felt like that I needed to, uh, to save you. 
And so I decided to set out to prove this was all a big con. And so that's what I've been doing all this time. I just had to prove this whole thing wrong. But I couldn't. The evidence for your faith, it's more overwhelming than I could have ever imagined. But it wasn't just the evidence, okay? It was you. You never stopped loving me. You never gave up on me. And I think because of that, God didn't either. I don't think God gave up on you either, but what, what are you saying? Uh, <laughs> I can't even fathom what I'm going to say this out loud. I believe. I do. Let me just... But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Mm -hmm. To those who believe in his name. And what does that mean? <laughs> Means believe plus receive equals become. receive what do I what's with the protocol for, uh, for that there's no wrong way or right way just you you talk to God mm -hmm. you tell him your heart mm -hmm. and, and we do that right now I mean shouldn't we go to church mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> right here right now this is church okay Everything. Uh, I, I never will know everything, um, but I, I know enough, and I believe it. I believe you. And I'm sorry for what I've, what I've put my wife through, um, what I've put my family through. I believe you're real. And I don't know what comes next. I don't know. 
I don't know what it means. I just know that I want, I want that. I want, I want whatever's next. I want that. So let's do that. today um, are you ready to come home to Christ emotionally far away physically however it might be it's it really is as simple as talking to the God talking to Christ and believing receiving and becoming do you know um, at the end of his Lee Strobel's interview with Templeton he was just thinking about all the objections that he had heard, and we come up with those, and he was refreshing those, rehearsing those in his mind, because many of those were the same objections that he had had, same objections that some of us had. He went and started a new search. He went all across the country, finding scholars and experts on why this, why that, how could God do that? And he wrote another book. This one's called The Case for Faith, and it answers some of those questions of why does suffering exist? Why does pain exist? Why do those bad things exist? And, but before he published it, he sent a copy to Templeton. By that time, he was you know, getting older. He had cancer. His Alzheimer's had gotten worse. He was blind in one eye. And his wife had to read him the manuscript. But she did. But he wrote this in a little note. He says this, Chuck, I hope you'll take to heart what Proverbs 2, 3 through 5 says. And it's this. If you scream for insight and call loudly for understanding, if you pursue it like you would money, search it out as you would hidden treasure, then the Lord will be awesome to you. And you will come into possession of the knowledge of God. If you're far, keep searching. Keep calling out. Because when you do that, the promise of the proverb is God will prove himself awesome to you. Let's stand together. If you want to call out to the Lord, today's a good time to do it. This is church. This is church right here, right now. And you can do it in your seat. You can do it at a coffee table. You can do it wherever. But I tell you, we're here today, and this altar is open for you. And so if you'd like to come here, that way you can say on April 23rd, 2017, I came home. I came home to Jesus right here at this place. We're just going to sing, and if, if, you're, if you want to come forward, and we'll pray with you. And I challenge you, God will prove himself awesome. Awesome. Let's sing together. The altar's open. Come if you want to pray and receive him. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. 
Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Behind your regrets and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide.
You know, it's never too late. It's never too late. If you're leaving this morning and you're still struggling, you're still examining the evidence, I encourage you to keep it up. It's never too late. Charles Templeton's spouse was quoted in an article just after his death. He had received the manuscript and had been read to him and I'm sure thoughts going through his heart and mind. But she said this, just before he died, he said to everyone excitedly, can you see them? Can you see them? Angels are coming to take me home. I pray, I pray that that was the case. How exciting it is for someone to be snatched from Satan, given eternal life. God will show himself awesome. He will. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for your love and mercy that reached out to each one of us. It's reached out to those at the altar today. Lord, we're not worthy on our own. you love us, us that were created in your image for a purpose to live with you forever. So Lord, as we bask in that free gift that was given to us through Jesus Christ, as we rest and relax and are restored by your love, Lord, be with us. Encourage us. Show us your way. Give those that are searching a, a, a purpose, a hope, a desire to serve and love and honor you. Go with us today. Lord, may this day be a day where we just serve the one who gave himself for us, not out of duty, not out of obligation, but out of love for who you are and your great gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. You're dismissed. Go with the grace and peace of the Lord. If you want to come pray with me, feel free to come do so.